Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we're going to preview the San Francisco 49ers against the Miami Dolphins in a battle of master and apprentice between Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel as San Francisco hosts the Dolphins in Game 2 of their three-game homestand. Miami taking the trip from Miami out to Santa Clara once again, the homecoming of Mike McDaniel. Raheem Mostert, who we talked about earlier this week and all the stuff he was talking about. Jeff Wilson Jr., Trent Sherfield, River Craycraft. Am I forgetting anybody noticeable? Because this Niners and Dolphins team might be, just might be uh, one of the matchups this year that could really pit 1A and 1B. And what I mean by that is both these teams are pretty much the exact same. They both want to play the exact same way in the middle of the field. Now, albeit they have different skill position players that can do different things. All Debo Samuel and Tyreek Hill. But they play very similar. It's almost the exact same system with McDaniel having known Kyle Shanahan since he was in Denver with his dad Mike. And then in Washington with his dad Mike again. And then in San Francisco. So there's so much familiarity between these two teams. It just feels like that. It's going to either be a, you know, who can score the most or the last team to score wins the game, or it's going to be who can score first, <laughs> and it's going to be 3-0. Like, it just feels like that this game is going to either be a shootout or it's going to be a game where, you know, it's to the very end, it's, it's nitty, it's gritty, and I want to talk about what this game actually means for both teams. Now, for the Dolphins, it means really nothing. They are 8-3 and three in the AFC East. I guess you can... It would keep them as the number one seed in that division and help their playoff standings. That's what this game means to them on a, a, a conference, divisional, and NFL standings uh, point of view. But if you're San Francisco, which is obviously our focus today... <laughs> uh, this is a make-right game for the Chiefs game. Ever since that Chiefs game, where San Francisco was hurt, right, they have been the number one defense in football. That's been the glaring, you know, they're the number one defense in football, but remember that Chiefs game? That's been the glaring kind of black mark on their schedule. This is a chance to make up for that game for the defense. Now, for Kyle Shanahan, it's more so a pride game of I still own every single one of my quote-unquote protégés. I own Sean McVay. I own LaFleur in Green Bay. Now I can potentially have a 1-0 record against Mike McDaniel, my newest protégé to get a head coaching job. 
Now, yes, within that, there's bragging rights between players with Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. and every single player still on the Niners now who played with those other guys now in Miami. Bragging rights do come into play. But there are two things that I want to make very clear here. This game can prove the Niners can hang with one of the top dogs in the AFC. The Dolphins currently have the number two or number one offense in DVOA, right? This is a chance for San Francisco, again, to make up for that Chiefs loss, but also to prove they can hang with your counterpart in the AFC. San Francisco lost against the Broncos, who suck. They got their butts handed to them by the Chiefs. Beat the Chargers. Now can you beat the Dolphins? Now within that, (laughs) within that, This is a chance for San Francisco to go out there and say, look, the Chiefs game no longer matters. We're a different team. I do think that's the case, even if they lose this game against the Dolphins. They're a different team than they were back in, what, week five, week six? Like, that game, to me, doesn't matter as much in the the perspective of trying to win the NFC West. Now, if you want to broaden your horizons... San Francisco, to me, has yet to prove they can be any team that's the top dog or one of the top dogs, like the Chiefs, the Dolphins, the Bills, whoever else you want to put in that category, I would be concerned with San Francisco beating one of those teams. Simply because the offensive firepower they have, excuse me, this is a chance for San Francisco, for the Niners to prove to themselves, prove to me, prove to the fans, maybe even you, that they can handle a top offense in football. This is their biggest test of the year after that Chiefs game. They got a 40-burger put up against them. That can't happen again on Sunday against the Dolphins. But taking all of that I just said, the first five and a half minutes of this podcast, take it and throw it out the window. Because this game on Sunday... Despite bragging rights and pride for Kyle Shanahan against his protégés and a make-right game means absolutely nothing when it comes to getting to the playoffs. Yes, a win's a win. A loss is a loss. You want to win more, then you lose. Obviously, it's football. It's sports. Winning is the most important thing you can do in the game. But right now, San Francisco is currently 6-2 and in the conference. In the division, they're 4-0. After this Dolphins game, who do they play? The Bucks, Seahawks, Commanders, then the Cardinals to end the season. That's four games. Right now, if you told me that if San Francisco was going to lose two games the rest of the season, they can by all means beat to this Dolphins team and the Raiders in Week 17. That's fine with me. As long as you beat the teams that actually matter. Now, yes, down the line, if you do indeed make it to the championship game or the Super Bowl, you got to play an AFC team. We know that. We have no idea what team that'll be, but we know you're going to have to play a team like the Dolphins, like the Chiefs, like the Bills. Unfortunately, or I guess fortunately for San Francisco, Winning or losing against those teams now do not matter. If you, again, you beat the Bucks, 
the Seahawks, the Commanders, the Cardinals, and you finish 11-6, and six, and you can sweep your division, Seahawks and Cardinals, just two more times this year, you go into the playoffs, you are likely going to win your division, and you could potentially be the number two, number three seed in the NFC, if not number one, bearing or barring an Eagles collapse. Like, this game, while it was important to Pride, and you want to give it to, to, to Mike McDaniel and stick it to Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. And, and prove you can hang with the top dogs in the AFC, this game on a very small level of getting just getting to the playoffs does not matter. Yes, the win's the win. Being 7-5 and five is a lot worse than being 8-4. and four. I get that. But... If you lose this game, it's not the end of the world. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is it maybe a, a a gauge, a meter as to where this team or how far this team can go? Sure. And we'll dive into all that in just a few minutes. But this game, win or lose, doesn't matter. Now, if you win, we're going to talk some crap and have bragging rights and, you know, Dolphins fans are going to hear it. But if we lose, it's like, okay, that, that's, that makes sense. Dolphins are a good team. We're very equal in, uh, like, they know our scheme, we know their scheme. Someone had to win, it wasn't us. Now, what happens on Sunday, we do not know. And we can think we will, and I'll dive into it here, because this Dolphins offense is number one in football since week five. Insane. Like, they are, they are, they're, they're speedy, they're quick, and they can strike in an instant. And with two attack of Iloa leading them, they're 8-0 this year. They lost three games. Tua didn't play a single one. They are 8-0 with Tua on the field this season. And But I do want to point out, there might be some holes in the conversation of them being the number one or number two offense in football or with Tua, without Tua. Because this year, the Dolphins have scored 30-plus points in four straight games. Okay? It's great stuff. It's a good offense, right? Against Detroit, the 24th-ranked defense, they won by four points. Against the Bears, the second-worst defense in football, they had a shootout with Justin Fields and won by three points. Now, they did beat Cleveland by 18, and they beat Houston by 15. But <laughs> that being said, it's not like they have been consistently dominating opponents. They are, in two of these last four games, they have beat opponents that are ranked 24th or worst in defense by a total of seven points in between the Lions and Bears and then pick things up against Cleveland and Houston. So despite maybe me saying or someone else saying, you know, they're the number one offensive football, there are maybe some inconsistencies in there. Now, Here's the thing. The Dolphins this year, they've only scored 21 
score more than 21 points against the top 15 defense one time this year. One time. That was week two against the Ravens. Now, they did put up 42 points, but but my point more so is, is that it's not like they've been beating really good defenses. And if you are flying across the country from Miami, Florida, to Santa Clara, California, and you're not playing the 29th, 27th, 24th, and 31st ranked defenses, you're playing the number one defense in football, everyone's talking this could be an upset game for San Francisco, who actually is favored in this game. To me, this seems like a cross-country letdown for the Dolphins. Now, we'll dive into why I think that might be the case and why I think it might not be the case for San Francisco because it all starts with Tua Tagovailoa. So, coming into this season, Tua almost or was about to have that bust label put on him. It was the hip injury. It was a head coaching change. There were some issues. Uh, they, they wanted to bring in Tom Brady and Sean Payton, and the organization had forced you know Brian Flores, who was there for when they drafted Tua, to play him earlier than he wanted to, but he didn't think Tua was ready. So there was a lot of uh, circumstances out of Tua's control when he first got to Miami. But now that he has a stable head coach, a stable front office, a stable defense, or relatively stable defense, but weapons around him to help him flourish, he has been, if not a top five quarterback this year, a top 10 quarterback. And I mean, number six, (laughs) because this year alone, he is second in football with a 69.7, basically 70% completion percentage. He's averaging a touchdown pass every 6.7 passes. First in football. He's only thrown three interceptions this year. His interception rate is third in football. He's averaging nine yards per attempt, and his his rating leads the NFL 115.7, and he's only been sacked 12 times. That is what an elite quarterback looks like. Now, can you win the big game? We don't know. He hasn't played in one yet. This is like people talk about how for San Francisco, that the Chiefs game and this game are the biggest tests of the season. This is the Dolphins' biggest test of the season to see if they're real or not, right? This is their chance to prove to their fan base, to themselves, to the media as well, that, hey, the Dolphins are for real. And this is San Francisco's chance to prove to the media and the fan base, who I think already think they're real because of the history they have. But for this year, which again, 2021 doesn't count. 2019 does not count, and when you're trying to figure out if a team is real or not, only 2022 counts, and this is San Francisco's best chance since that Chiefs game to prove if they're real or not. And I do think in this game, and I'll I'll dissect it right now for you, this is how they can beat Tua Tagovailoa. And to explain that, we have to explain what are Tua's strengths. Tua can push the ball down the field and somehow gets the ball out quick. That's something you usually don't see. A team that likes to push the ball down the field, the quarterback usually holds the ball for longer because guys are going deeper downfield and those routes take time or they're broken down plays and they're extending plays with their legs, hitting someone downfield deep when the play breaks down. So two of this year, 
has a 2.6 second average time to throw. That is the fifth fastest in the NFL. In return, what does that mean? You get the ball out quick, you're not pressured as much, you don't get sacked as much. Right now, Tua has a 22.9% pressure rate, the third lowest in football. He's also been sacked the fourth least percent of the time in the NFL as well. Again, also 9-plus yards an attempt, 8.82 air yards per attempt as well. But here's where things get tricky for Tua Tagovailoa. Taron Armstead, their starting left tackle, and Austin Jackson, their starting right tackle, will not play on Sunday against San Francisco. The Dolphins' backup left tackle, Brandon Shell, gave up five pressures on 19 dropbacks against the Texans when he filled in for Armstead after the injury. So, backup left tackle, uh, backup right tackle. Well, unfortunately... While Tua, yes, does get the ball out pretty quick, uh, that ball's going to have to come out a little faster because you got Nick Bosa, you got Amenahieu, you got Ebukam, oh, and you have Eric Armstead also back in the fray who can take on two offensive linemen at the same time, freeing up Bosa and Ebukam and Amenahieu and Drake Jackson and Hyder and whoever else you want to put out there. This is the game where I do think San Francisco has the edge in the trenches. This is a game where I do think that San Francisco on both sides of the ball, despite the Dolphins having Bradley Chubb, this is a game where I do think where San Francisco can control the clock, and I do think they can manipulate this game in the trenches. So let's say that the offensive line somehow, some way holds up for the Dolphins. Well, I do think Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. are kind of going to be non-factors in this game. I do know that McDaniel is the running back guru for, or was, in San Francisco and is that same way in Miami. But I, I just think that with Armstead back in the fray, you now have your best run defender back on the team. This is a game where I do think all the talk of Jeff Wilson Jr. and Raheem Mostert, this feels like a game where they aren't a factor for the most part. Now, when it comes to Tua again, Tua Tagovailoa this year. And to me, this is the most... If you want to circle something on the chalkboard, in your head, on Twitter, this is the stat you want to keep in mind coming into this game where San Francisco can at least slow down Tua's production. Tua Tagovailoa this year has thrown 38 completions targeting the middle of the field this season. 16 more completions than any other quarterback in the NFL. For all the talk of, well, Jimmy Garoppolo is, you know, middle of the field kind of guy, Tua Tagovailoa has done it 16 more times than any other quarterback in football. Keep in mind, last year, under McDaniel, Jimmy Garoppolo led the NFL with 45 completions targeting the intermediate middle third of the field, the same as Tua Tagovailoa. That is where the McDaniel, the Shanahan system finds its money. Tua and Jimmy are basically one and the same, but Tua can actually hit the deep ball. That's the difference here. But for Tua's strengths, which are the middle of the field, here's a stat to show you why I do think San Francisco is going to be able to at least limit, not stop, but limit what Tua can do in the middle of the field, essentially and effectively, taking away his biggest strength 
as a quarterback. When you want to get rid of the ball quick, where do you target? The middle of the field. Jimmy does it, and so does Tua Tagovailoa. But since 2018, when the Niners drafted Fred Warner, the best linebacker in football, playing like a freaking maniac the past four or five weeks, the Niners have allowed just 71 completions in that area. 15 fewer than any other defense in football. So what does that tell me? What does that tell you? Well, that tells me that San Francisco, for as good as Tua is, has been this year. He's been great. They have the X factor in how to stop him that most teams do not. Their defensive scheme is designed to stop the McDaniel Shanahan defense or offense, excuse me. Other teams don't have Fred Warner. Other teams don't have Dre Greenlaw. They have players like them, but nobody is them. And I do think that Fred Warner kind of is this, yes, top linebacker in football, but I do think what he's able to do over the middle of the field in pass coverage, whether against a linebacker or a receiver or a tight end, doesn't matter. Fred Warner usually has the advantage. And I do think right now, you add in Hufunga, you add in Jimmy Ward playing nickel, I do think that there are so many guys in the middle of the field for San Francisco, in the box for San Francisco that might be able to take away Tua's biggest strength. And I do think right there, if you are able to take away the middle part of the field from Tua, you are forcing him to throw it outside the numbers, deep down the field, and that only benefits San Francisco. Now, what are the drawbacks to doing so? So, my mind, because it's the most similar game San Francisco has played this year, would again be that Chiefs game, where they got burnt for 40-plus points and it was a disaster, right? So, in that game... What was one of the biggest issues? It was guys were wide open, there were blown coverages, guys were injured, and there was too much over-pursuing. It seemed like in that game, there was about seven Niner defenders flying around, diving, jumping. There was this over-pursuant, I have to make the big play mindset of Hufunga and Warner and Greenlaw and Gibson and Jimmy Ward back off the injury. There were so many players trying to make the big play instead of making the play. And I do think that in this game, that might be the one thing that does kind of hold San Francisco back, where it's, yes, you can stop two in the middle of the field, but if you, once he completes a pass, if you continually try to make the big hit and preserve that shutout record, right? you're going to, they're going to score against you. <laughs> and, and you have to be able to kind of hone yourself in. And I, and I do think that that was the one of the things that did cost San Francisco against the Chiefs, where it did feel like they were a little amped up. This was their revenge for 2019. Now this game, I do think they have composed themselves. The offense has I guess you can say, or the defense has matured, you can say, where they aren't flying around, they're playing within themselves, they're still making big plays, and they now know who they are as a defense. And I think right there is 
the Niners' style of defense is kind of, or in this game, needs to be bend but don't break. And they showed that against the Saints, who aren't really good offense, but they showed bend, don't break. And this is the difference between the Saints game and the Dolphins game because the Dolphins are going to score. <laughs> They're just going to score. And I do think that most teams don't have someone like Tyreek Hill. In fact, nobody else does because he's Tyreek Hill. Fred Warner said it by himself. He is a one-of-one one receiver. And this is where I do think San Francisco's maybe, or if they are amped up, or despite them maybe being able to hold Tua or limit Tua in the intermediate part of the field, I do worry about the big play. Because right now, the Chi or the, the Dolphins, excuse me, have the number one and number two receivers in the NFL with the combined 37 receptions over 20-plus yards. Now, a lot of that is yak yardage, but my point more so is that Miami can hit the home run play whenever they want to. And I do think that when you have someone like Tyreek Hill, Miami's mindset is someone like is some, some of the same of how it is with San Francisco, with Debo Samuel. Just get them the ball, let them work. Now, Waddle, different story. They want to sling that thing to him. Tyreek Hill, again, as well, he can also find separation whenever he wants to. But my point more so is, is that, look, their mindset with Tyreek Hill is get the ball to him. He will find a way to get you seven extra yards. That's Tyreek Hill. And again, you want to stop Tua, like any quarterback, you have to get to him first. That was the issue with the Chiefs, right, where the Chiefs' offensive line wasn't great, but Mahomes wasn't getting sacked. And San Francisco could not sack Mahomes. They started off pretty good, got the pick, got a sack or two, and then things fell apart. I do not think Tua is that dynamic, but I do think that he is so quick with the football that you essentially have to rush for, if not blitz, or really just put seven in the box. Have your four defenders, three in the box, and you just pray. Pray he doesn't beat you on the outside. If you can take away the middle, like the whole point in, in, in sports is make your opponent uncomfortable. It's why opposing defenses stack the box against Jimmy G, because usually he doesn't take the top off. Now, Tua can take the top off. Gasecki's there, Sherfield's there, Waddle Hill, they all have some sort of speed that can actually find separation and take the top off the defense, but... The Saints stacked the box against the Niners. They were telling Jimmy, beat us with your arm. Now, play calling is play calling. Sometimes it's not it's not always on the quarterback. But in this instance for Miami, they have no fear in passing the football at all times. At all times. Despite McDaniel being the offensive guru or, or, or the, the running game guru... They want to pass the football. And the beautiful thing is, is that San Francisco, against the pass this year, has allowed a receiver to go 100-plus yards just one time. One time this year. It's not like they've been giving up big chunk yardage to receivers all year long. That receiver? Well, Chiefs game. Duh. <laughs> Pretty easy to assume that was the case, right? But... 
I do think San Francisco has the X factor how to stop Tua. My concern is that they 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 kind of jump out of their skin. They don't play to themselves. They're amped up. They're hyped up because the Dolphins can score whenever they want to. And I, for a young player like Hufanga, for a team that desperately wants to prove themselves to the NFL to give the Dolphins, the NFL, a big wake-up call and say, hey, have you been paying attention? We've now won five games in a row. I do think that that mentality is kind of a do-or-die, where if you win, you win, and it's awesome. But that can also get you in trouble. Now, thankfully, San Francisco has composed themselves. They are kind of back into where they should have been or, or have been in previous years, and they're playing their style of defense. And I do think you have an opponent coming across the country that maybe their record, and look, San Francisco's, their wins this year ain't been pretty. Their prettiest wins against the Panthers and the Cardinals. Not great teams, right? So, Niners, Niner fans, myself, we can't walk around saying, the Dolphins may not be real because San Francisco also may not be real when it comes to who they've beaten and how they've beaten them. The Dolphins, same way, but Miami at least is equipped in that division in that conference, and even on the field, where they can beat you on any play. And I think right now with San Francisco, they only have one player that can do that, or at least has done it consistently, and that's Christian McCaffrey, and he's banged up. They might not have Debo Samuel, who didn't practice today. So there are questions around you know, this year has been, can San Francisco's offense keep up with their opposition? And sometimes they do. And sometimes, most of the time, they don't or they barely escape. The The big storyline has been, you know, Niners win because of the defense, not because of the offense. And I do think in this game, if McCaffrey, who said he's going to play, uh, you know, fully, but if there's no Debo, People, including myself, are already leaning towards the Dolphins winning this game. But if you don't have Debo, maybe you have a, you know, no Elijah Mitchell, obviously, and you're relying on Tevin Coleman or Jordan Mason or, you know, TDP to be your pass catching or, or, or your, your pass blocking running back, that worries me. But thankfully, thankfully, the Dolphins don't have the Saints defense <laughs> because. The Saints defense, to me, wasn't great. But where they were strong was red zone and third downs. Where did San Francisco struggle? Red zones and third downs. We knew that going into that game. But the Dolphins coming into this game, they ain't very good. Their defense will give you the opportunity to score. Again, they lost to the Lions by four. The Bears by three. Like, they are not afraid to give up points because they know they can hang with you. The difference is, those teams' defenses aren't very good. So now, the pressure goes all on San Francisco's offense. Can you finally, not just beat a bad team, can you finally hold your own against the number one, number two offense in the NFL? And thankfully, the Dolphins' defense ranks 17th in total yards, they're 10th against the run. Yikes. 
and they're 22nd against the pass. Someone ring the bell. This might be the Jimmy Garoppolo game on Sunday against the Dolphins. And now, right now, what if I told you this? That this might this game might rely on Jimmy Garoppolo's right arm. Don't leave. Don't get scared. I do think he will be able to, maybe not by himself. We know how he plays, right? He's a yak guy, right? We we know this by now. It's been five, six years. We got it, you know. But the Dolphins this year rank 29th in football in passes 15 yards or less. And they also rank 29th in football in defending tight ends in the pass game per game. So what does that tell you? Well, what did San Francisco do against the last team that was awful against guarding tight ends? Oh, yeah. George Kittle scored two touchdowns. and had a big game. Maybe he circled that. Keep that in mind. The Dolphins also this year have allowed opposing receivers to go 100-plus yards in nine games this year. Nine games, the most in football. Hey, Brandon Ayuk, you want to have a big game? Hey, Debo, you want to play on Sunday? What about Christian McCaffrey in the slot? Oh, interesting. So they allow opponents to, or they are the third, fourth worst team in football on passes 15 yards or less. Oh, well, that's that favors Garoppolo. They're bad against tight ends. Oh, okay, well, that favors George Kittle. But they give up 100-plus yards to receivers a lot this year, nine times this year. Okay, well, that favors Ayuk, and that favors Debo. Oh, and I hate to break it to you, Dolphins fans. The Dolphins are allowing the 10th most yak in football. The Niners have or produce the fifth most yak yards after the catch in football. I mean, (laughs) I know it's a lot of numbers and a lot of stats, but to prove my point, I'll say this. San Francisco's defense, or I'll say it this way, the Miami offense plays right into the hand of what San Francisco's defense is best at, eliminating the middle of the field. The Dolphins' defense plays right into what San Francisco likes to do and has done successfully since Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo took over the offense. 15-yard passes at most, feed George Kittle, and give the ball to Debo Samuel, now Christian McCaffrey, and Brandon Ayuk, and go get me yards after the catch. So now it becomes, okay, does physicality matter? Because this Dolphins defense is a little soft. They don't want to tackle. They are a finesse team. Just like the offense, they are very finesse. They are speed-reliant. Now, They're a damn good offense. Really good offense, right? But sometimes you got to be a little, or they tend to be a little more finesse. And I think the difference here is, is that, and and my mind goes back to 
the analogy of you have a, you have a father and you have a son, right? The the father has worked in the fields. His his hands are all calloused up. He has you know the the farmer's tan, a little dirt in his hair. He has grinded through. He's tougher. He's harder. He can deal with the hurt of the world, the the plowing of the field. And the son is got my my hair gelled over, and I got my nice polo shirt on, and oh physical labor. <laughs> And they'll find a way to get it done, right? I just watched Cobra Kai a couple months ago, right? The youngest son was like, why would I do it myself? You know, wax on, wax off cars, and I can pay someone to do it for me. Now, that doesn't mean that the job isn't getting done. It just means that it's done different ways. And I do think that's the difference between the Niners and the Dolphins. Dolphins are speed. They want, them th they, they want things done fast, excuse me. The Niners are, we're going to knock your freaking head off. And we're going to make you know we knocked your head off. We're looking for contact. The Dolphins are, ooh, contact, ooh. I'll run around you instead. Which, again, if you score, if you win, that doesn't matter. The end result is a W. That's all that matters. There's nothing wrong with either one of those things. But I do think because the way the Dolphins are set up, it does play into San Francisco's favor on both sides of the football. And I do think that I'm not going to be a homer because I'll admit to you, this game in my mind is a chalked up L. Because I do think that San Francisco does have a tendency to you know, be on that roller coaster more than Miami has been this year. It's up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. The Dolphins have been, they were up. Okay, now we're down. Now we're back up. That's kind of what it's been like for them. There haven't been the the big lulls or letdowns or, you know, the concerns of why can't we score points. For the Niners, it's been, we're right there. Why can't we score points? And so I do think that this game is going to come down to not what San Francisco, at least in my opinion, can do defensively. I do not have concerns with what or or if San Francisco can control the football or or limit to it. I do think they can. At least in the middle of the field and make him feel somewhat uncomfortable. My concern is, can the offense play their part? You know, Dre Greenlaw said today that since November, since their four-game winning streak started, that they've been playing complementary football. Well, I mean, kind of. Kind of, Dre Greenlaw. Kind of. This, for San Francisco, needs to be a game which ultimately does not matter in the grand scheme of can you make the playoffs or how good are you in the NFC. This is a game to prove to the NFL, the fans, the media, yourself, that we can hang with what the other conference's best has to offer. And I do think that, look, you are not even going to get a score prediction from me. Let's enjoy this game. I laid out to you why I think San Francisco might struggle. I told you why the Dolphins might succeed and vice versa. I just want to say that this game is going to be fun. Let's enjoy it. Because a loss doesn't matter. If you lose on Sunday against the Dolphins, we are still in first place. If we win, we know where we hang among the NFL's best. 
if you want to go to this game on Sunday, use promo code 49ERSACCESS, 49ERSACCESS at SeatGeek.com to save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Again, at SeatGeek.com using that promo code 49ERSACCESS, 49ERSACCESS. Follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review. My name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49er Access Podcast. And until next time, go Niners. Get that W. Maybe you don't. Maybe you do. But get the win on Sunday against the Dolphins. And stay faithful. Rockin'